What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And the Dolphins, after a week-long bye, they're back in action, getting ready for the New York Jets. Uh, the bye came at a, you know, kind of a bad time, depending on who you were talking to. Uh, the Dolphins, obviously, on a five-game win streak, right in the thick of things in terms of the AFC playoff picture. And uh, they're going to try to get to 500 uh, with a potential win against uh, a division rival at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, I know that they're they're deep in preparations for the Jets, but that's not the only thing that's going around uh, and that people have their eyes on uh, in Miami uh, gardens. Obviously there's a lot of, a lot of COVID stuff league wide and the dolphins aren't exempt from that. So we're definitely going to get into that, touch on that and see how that may impact this weekend's game as well as a whole bunch of other things. But I'm so glad that you guys are tuned in. Uh, but first I want to introduce this week's guest, you know, I always have a guest last week. I actually went solo, uh, but we're back to bringing in some great guests and I'm really excited to bring on Will Parkinson, who's a, a NFL analyst for TurnOnTheJets.com. He's been doing a lot of great work breaking down uh, all things New York Jets. Uh, so, Will, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm, uh, it's one of those matchups that I always look forward to, Jets Dolphins. But um, obviously, uh, you know, the Jets season's kind of spiraled uh, for the worse. So, and the Dolphins are playing a lot better than they were uh, the last time these two teams met. It's almost like the Jets kind of jump-started a uh, little bit of winning streak here. So it should be a good matchup on Sunday, uh, you know, COVID stuff pending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's, that's really where we're going to start with this episode. Uh, I mean, where do you start? You know, league-wide, it seems like almost every team is having COVID issues. Uh, on Monday, 37 positive tests popped up. It was the most positive tests that the NFL has recorded since really the pandemic started and since the reserve COVID list uh, started. And uh, the Dolphins particularly have been hit fairly hard in the past week, um, late last week and the, during their bye week, uh, news came out that uh, Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, two of the top running backs tested positive and they were subsequently placed on, on that COVID list. Uh, we come back Monday, we talked to Brian Flores about the whole situation and uh, their preparations for the giant, uh, for the Jets, excuse me. And, you know, not too long after that, Another report comes out that Philip Lindsay, uh, who they just claimed off waivers recently from the uh, Houston Texans, he tested positive as well. He was placed on the COVID list. A couple hours later, we found out that standout defensive rookie uh, safety, Javon Holland, he tested positive as well. So he's the fourth player to be placed on that COVID list. Um, by our reports, all those guys are vaccinated. So in order for them to come back uh, and, and play in Sunday's game, they have to be asymptomatic, not showing any symptoms, obviously, and return two negative tests at least 24 hours apart. Um, you know, right now their availability is in doubt. The team's preparing as if they're not going to play. Um, but, but you know, first off, that's just the entire backfield for the Dolphins depleted. Um, you know, they elevated Duke Johnson. They signed Dexter Williams to the practice squad. They still have uh, the rookie Jared Dokes, but, you know, not having your top three running backs is just not ideal for a offense that already doesn't really run the ball well. And then obviously Javon Holland, I mean, we all know how great he's been and how incremental he's been in the defense's turnaround. Um, so not having him uh, would be a huge blow, but I think that there are some guys like uh, Eric Rowe that could potentially step up. Um, just curious. I didn't see any new additions uh, to the COVID list on the, on the Jets front. Has, you know, what update can you give us for, from New York side? 
Yeah, so right now it's just uh, Blake Cashman who's been out with, on IR um, and he came back off IR and unfortunately, like a lot of his careers, and you know, spent on IR and um, you know he tested positive and then that was back last week, so he's still on the COVID protocols. And then Justin Hardy, the Jets, uh, you know, kind of special team standout player, um, is the only one that's popped up so far. Jeff Smith had tested positive, but he came back. Um, and I believe that's the only te- positive test as of, you know, uh, midday Tuesday. Um, it's just, or, you know, Tuesday evening, it's just Justin Hardy. He's the only guy. He's played one defensive snap all year. Um, and Blake Cashman's missed about 12 of the 13 games. So neither guy is probably a huge loss. Uh, if anything, it's a, it's a positive for the Dolphins. I mean, for the Jets' perspective, uh, Justin Hardy is a special teams ace guy. He was awesome in New Orleans, and he's made some plays in New York. But uh, has been penalized about five or six times now for uh, roughing kick catch interference or late hits and things of that nature. So not sure how big of a loss that really is. <laughs> that really is for the Jets. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that, you know, fans from on the Dolphins side and probably on the Jets side are probably, you know, crossing their fingers and saying, thank you, God, when they, the list popped up today and maybe no guys were added, but it's almost like you can't even like take a sigh of, sigh of relief with this situation because you never know stuff could pop up later in the week um you know really leading up to leading up to game day um so again you know that's something that we'll definitely be monitoring on, on both fronts you know whether guys are added whether guys come off the list um and, and again you know right now the entire Dolphins backfield is is depleted due to COVID all those three running backs are on the COVID list um I know the running backs coach Eric Studzeville said that um they're all kind of in different phases of you know their their sickness their illness um right now they're preparing as if uh they won't play I also wanted to ask you about some injury news I, I came across uh, I think looking at it on Monday day um, when Robert Sala was giving updates um, on Quinn and Williams, Michael Carter, some of those guys. I, I know obviously the running back Michael Carter was injured and he last played uh, in that Dolphins game, um, but can you kind of provide any updates on those guys? Yeah, so actually for the first time in probably the entire season, so they, the list kind of came out this week. Um, they kind of have analytics based on, you know, the most injured teams and who's hurt the most, um, you know, like you know, week over week. And the Jets are at the bottom of the league, 32nd right now. It's, they have a score of 51, um, which means like they believe like half their team's performance is not has been injured. Um, Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, other Michael Carter who got injured, the running back and the cornerback, both should be back this week. Trevon Wesco should be back. Tevin Coleman as well. Tyler Croft will come off IR. That's a big addition. He's their starting tight end. Um, not obviously a fantastic player by any means, but much more serviceable than what they've been trotting out there. Quinn Williams won't practice early in the week, but he will be, he should play. Um, Elijah Moore is not going to be back. He's on IR. Yeah. And then I'm definitely forgetting somebody else that. I wanted to highlight. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, both Michael. Oh, Bryce Huff's back. He'll be off IR. Um, Jets yeah, starting edge rusher. So um, they're going to gain back probably five, five or six starters or starter level players. Um, but they still will be without Elijah Moore, who obviously was the Jets' biggest weapon um, outside of Michael Carter in their week. Uh, was that week twelve or week thirteen matchup? Yeah, yeah, and then and obviously. Um... Corey Davis is out for the year as well with, I think it was a core injury yeah, or something core, like yeah, that. Yeah, he tore core muscle, um, reaching for probably one of Zach Wilson's best throws all year and did not catch it. And then and subsequently tore his tore muscle and his core is now out for the year. So they're missing. Uh, both starting receivers will be out. Um, they'll be down. Yeah, as I mentioned, they'll be down, you know, more and uh, more and Davis are probably the two biggest misses. And Mekhi Beckton's still, you know, he's been out since week one. But they'll get back, starting running back. 
starting tight end, starting nickel corner, starting edge rusher, um, and uh, their backup tight end as well. So they get some they got some positive injury news. Obviously, this is all pending. You know, any any COVID stuff that could pop up, as we mentioned. Yeah, yeah, and again, I mean, you just can't really count that out. You gotta kind of just wait up until uh game day and hope that nothing pops up. And even so, I mean, I think the craziest part of some of this COVID stuff is that like like the Rams played last night and they're in intensive protocols. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. tested positive, um, a whole bunch of other guys tested positive. Those guys were literally playing last night, and you know, I, I'm not really completely certain of the 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 window and the timeline of the testing. I, I do know that uh after Thanksgiving, they kind of went into intensive protocols um, just to kind of be safe with guys coming back from Thanksgiving. Um, and I think that that was from November 25th or so to December 1st. But outside of that, they're usually testing every two weeks. So I, like I said, like I said, I don't know exactly what the, the timeline of the testing was, but I feel like the Dolphins may have almost like caught a break because it's not like all the players were in uh, the same facility or whatever the past week, like a lot of these other teams who are popping up with cases are. But again, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So now that we touched on uh, some of the the COVID, the injury updates, I, I want to go to the really the top story. I would say, you know, the, the two young quarterbacks. You know, we we were we were kind of deprived of that uh, matchup with Zach Wilson having, uh, I believe it was a was it a knee injury before? Yeah, um, the sprained PCL uh, kept him out three games, four weeks. Um, I know four games. I apologize. They had two Mike White starts, three Mike White starts, a Josh Johnson game, a Joe Flacco game. So I'm sure that you know a lot of the uh, the rounding up of the best quarterbacks in football. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, I think that while the Jets, you know, just got eliminated from playoff contention and whatnot, and um, the Dolphins are kind of ascending and trying to fight to get into the playoffs, I, I do think that there's a lot of interest with these young quarterbacks. I and mean, whenever you get young quarterbacks playing together, uh, playing against each other's interest. And I know a couple of weeks back, uh, you know, we all did a, a Twitter Spaces. Um, you know, you, me, DJ, some others. Um, we were kind of comparing the the two quarterbacks in terms of, um, you know, Tua and maybe some of the physical limitations that he may have compared to um, building around a quarterback like Zach Wilson, who, who's maybe a little more athletically gifted. Um, and it's been an interesting past couple of weeks for Tua. I mean, he's played really, really well. Um, I think that he's, he's starting to win a lot of people over with his play and um, kind of weathering the storm uh, in, in Miami. Um, but, you know, if you, if you kind of look toward the the national pundits and some um some people with really large platforms you know that some some people still aren't really sold and um i know one one thing that i uh was reading or kind of watching early today was a uh, colin cowherd i'm sure a lot of you know who who that is and um you know he he's he seems like he's kind of turning the corner on tour but he had an interesting comment um that Pretty much his point was you can win games with Tua, but can you win like the big game with Tua? Um, you know, when you don't have, and you know, I know a lot of Dolphins are going to kind of say, um, they're going to, they're going to jump on this, but, but let me finish. Uh, they're going to say, he, he said, you know, when you don't have a, a great running game, you don't have a great offensive line, you don't have a great defense. Um, and you know, you kind of pay them the big money. Can they kind of, can they carry the team? And, and, you know, I think, when a lot of Dolphins fans look at this team right now, they say, hey, Tua is kind of carrying everything. I mean, he, he doesn't have a great offensive line. He has a bad offensive line. He doesn't have a running game. Um, but I think that's an interesting point because, you know, once you get to that second contract, uh, the money, you know, there's not as much money to go around. So, you know, you're not necessarily going to have two stud cornerbacks uh, like the the Dolphins have. You're not necessarily going to have all that depth on the defensive line or whatnot. You may not have uh, a great running game. Um, so the, the point 
pretty much is, you know, once you get to that point, once you get to that second contract where you're, you're absorbing a large percentage of the salary cap, are you still able to carry your team given maybe some deficiencies on the rest of the roster? And, um, you know, that's where I kind of bring you into asking me, what do you think of that point, you know, with kind of the, the Jets building around Zach Wilson and the Dolphins building around Tua Tungvaluwa right now? Yeah, so they're kind of in they're kind of in different spots for me. Obviously, you know, being where Tua is versus where Zach is in terms of starts and, and things of that nature, and the rosters are different. The Dolphins kind of went uh, not all in, but they spent a ton of money two years ago, and you know, they had a million draft picks, and they're kind of it's a year ahead of where the Jets are in terms of like a lot of the rebuild of trying to bring in that defensive you know culture builder head coach and you know have a million you know stockpile picks and try to build the line the Dolphins obviously have invested a ton in that offensive line it has not worked mm-hmm. um for the most part although guys are starting to play a little bit better but the thing with Tua for me is I think he's somebody that has shown a lot of progress I mean the RPO stuff is, is really impressive I, I believe he's Pretty clearly, first in the league in, in RPO yards out of RPOs. Uh, I think it's like they the do it the or, most. They do it the yeah, most. Seven or eight hundred yards, like... maybe it gets up to like ten or eleven thousand or eleven hundred. But it was like two, it was like seven or eight hundred yards, which is you know Herbert's two, and then um, you know Mahomes and Rogers and those guys are behind him. So he does it really well. I mean, the last three games, you know, 81, 87, 73 percent completion percentage. Um, you know, the yards per attempt were higher. I mean, last week, obviously, <laughs> 30 or 41 for 240 is not, you know, uh, pushing the ball down the field particularly, but the Dolphins have built the roster, I think, you know, going forward that, like, they're not, they don't, they're not, I don't think they're expecting Tua to be, you know, uh, Rodgers or Mahomes or some of these guys. And I think the Dolphins can win, you know, they won in spite of Tua last year or Fitzpatrick or whoever was playing quarterback. And I think right now they're winning more so because of him and that defense, which yeah. is totally fine. And, I mean, I, again, I think you always should try to upgrade the position. So like, obviously if in the off season, there was something where they felt like they could, you know, get a Russ or Watson or, you know, Rogers, something like that, like that's a different conversation, but right now, like why not continue to build a run game and offensive line and get more, you know, skill players around to it because he's showing he's a competent NFL quarterback. I mean, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions, over 70 yards of attempt, over 70% completion percentage. He's got a winning record as a starter, even though QB wins are not the most uh, relevant stat. Yeah, oh, yeah. We, um, Dolphins yeah, fans, yeah. a lot of Dolphins fans will be the first to tell you that. I mean, Tua got credited with, you know, a couple yeah, wins got, where he came yeah, in. He yeah, got, he got six wins last year that I don't know how many he was really uh, – <laughs> it was because of him. But, yeah. um, no, I, look, I think he's he's done a much better job, and I think he's starting to settle in. Um, the things – I know we talked about some of the spaces for, you know, Dolphins fans who tune into that, but, you know, my, my issues were nothing to do with um, him in terms of a uh, – you know, mental capacity or some of his physical gifts, like throwing the ball being accurate. I think the mental processing side, you know, he has moments where they just – you're not sure what he's doing, but I think a lot of quarterbacks this year, if you look at the interception numbers around the league, they're I super know. high, right? Yeah. You know, everyone's got – Dak Prescott's got eight interceptions his last four games. Um, Lamar has like 13, yeah. Yeah, Lamar is 13. Burrow, who's a guy that, um, you know, people, you know, look at as a totally different, you know, a different stratosphere than uh, Tua. He's got, I think he's a league league 14, or he might have added to that last week, I believe. Um, No, he's, uh, yeah, he's got 14, him and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect ever and, and all this stuff. So my long answer to that is like, I the only things I worry about with Tua long term are, you have to at some point build some type of running game. And that doesn't mean you have to have an elite offensive line. You just have that team's respected at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, just so you can set up some of that play action RPO stuff. And then the other thing is just like, is literally his physical ability of a 
can he stay healthy? Um, it's on, it's nothing that he can really control, and it's not an indictment on him, but he's had some of the worst injury luck um, through the last two years of college, and then obviously this year, last year, getting injured. So we're working back and then getting hurt a bunch this year. So if he can stay healthy and on the field, I don't see why Tua can't be a quarterback that you know Miami can win with. It's a division that Mac Jones is nine and four and. He's not doing too much differently than two is. I don't think. I think you know. I think they're pretty similar in a lot of senses. Of uh, really good between the ears, really good at taking what the defense gives them, making sure they make the smart throw. Not super two. Two is more mobile, obviously. But again, if he can stay healthy, and the Dolphins can t- continue to you know scheme around any deficiencies he has. Why not be able to succeed? And, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really do uh, agree with your point. And, you know, if, you know, to the people who've been listening all season to me, I mean, I've said, I, I think that the team is really more so winning now because of him, not in spite of him. Obviously, the defense is playing great, but he's playing really complimentary football in terms of just not turning the ball over, making smart decisions uh, and, you know, quote unquote, taking what the what the defense gives you, which was uh, kind of a, a point of contention earlier in the season when they weren't generating big plays. But we're starting to see that slowly but surely. Something that, you know, watching the games this weekend and kind of watching it from, a, I guess, with a fan's eye because the, the Dolphins were playing. It, it's crazy how many, I guess, just quarterbacks overall is struggling. You know, I watched Colin Murray throw two interceptions last night. Um, I watched Lamar, obviously, um, who, who struggled, leave early with an injury. Josh Allen had an up and down game. Dak Prescott had a, had a so-so game. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy because these are all quarterbacks who we say are like up and coming, ascending quarterbacks and whatnot. And um, even Patrick Mahomes had like a month where he was just kind of struggling with two deep safety looks and whatnot. And yeah, look at the like, Q, like a QBR across the league. Like sixty seven is the highest QBR this year. Where like I don't know, Rogers last year eighty. There was six guys last year with over seventy one QBRs, and not one person's over. Like right now, Bray's the best QBR in football, and he would have been the eighth best quarterback last year. And like he's pretty much playing the exact same that he did last year. And people think he's going to win MVP. Rogers should be the MVP. I don't care about the COVID stuff. <laughs> um, but like, there's so many guys like. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, 49 QBR, uh, Russell Wilson, 50, like Patrick Mahomes, you know, Mr. I'm going to be the GOAT, 57. Like it's even look at guys that I'm sure the Dolphins can, you know, get compared with a two of Baker, 39 QBR, uh, Dak Prescott makes almost $50 million a year, 45. Like, you know, the Zach Wilson stuff is down there, but like Tua's, where is he at? He's like, you know, he's, he's pretty he's, high. You know, he, two is seven. Yeah. Two is, yeah. He's got the, he's got a higher QBR than Josh Allen. Um, he's two points behind Kyler Murray, so <laughs> he's playing as a top seven quarterback according to QBR, and that's even including the early season struggles. So yeah, yeah, everyone's struggling across the league, and turnovers are way up in like from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if this is like. I mean, we all know this has kind of been a kind of a weird season. And I don't know if maybe like the low QBR numbers and you know some of the quarterback struggles will like maybe that maybe that's just kind of what we're going to see going forward. I'm, I'm not sure, but but I say that all to say that it's just, it's just funny how we just rush the judgment so quick with, with, you know, quarterbacks. And it's like, I keep on saying, you know, two is, he's barely has like a season's worth of starts. Um, and you know, the, you know, a lot of people put the judgment with him, but we see like all these ascending quarterbacks and all these young quarterbacks who were kind of looked as like, kind of like the apple, the, you know, the, the prize of the league or whatever that they're, they're struggling as well. And it's just like, you know, quarterback. I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of role changes, but it's still a hard position to play. And it, it's hard to be like, 
consistent week in and week out, year in, year out. I know I saw somebody on Twitter say that like it's really like a three-man weave between Rodgers, Brady, and Mahomes or for, for like who is the best QB in the league because it's just it's just so hard to be that consistent. Uh and again, I say all that to say it's like it's just it's just like weird to me to just rush the judgment with a lot of these young guys, particularly uh, when, you know, it takes multiple years to like really get your bearings in the league. And even then it's hard to like sustain that week in and week out. Yeah. No, the, the discourse around Zach Wilson, um, I don't kind of want to tour around, but the, the discourse around Zach Wilson right now is some of the, it's crazy, man. I, if people saw my mentions on a daily basis of, you know, I would say like, after week two, it was a sack. You know, people already had on him. He won a rookie of the week two years ago. I mean, two weeks ago, he's you know, it's a fan award and whatever. But he's won it twice. Uh, no other quarterbacks won it once, and it's supposed to be a generational class. And Trevor Lawrence leads the league in interceptions. Like Zach's not playing well. He's had probably two and a half. You know, he's probably played six or seven good quarters, maybe eight if we're being generous. And the rest has been pretty bad. Um, but it's not that he's not seeing things right. He has no confidence. Kind of like the yips right now, and I'm which is why this matchup's not great. No Elijah Moore. And the Dolphins' propensity to blitz and play man is not, you know, not ideal for, you know, for Zach in terms of getting his footwork and, you know, pulling the trigger quickly. But, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, the first half of the Eagles game, he's 12 or 13 for like 130 or 140 yards and three touchdowns against a good Eagles defense. Um, and, and it kind of since then hasn't been great. You know, it's only eight quarters ago, but, you know, is that people are so people are so far out on Zach already that he's a boss and should have been picked and, it's a lot to do with his mom and his politics and, you know, what people assume are his politics, I guess, or should say, and, you know, growing up with his uncle and all these different things. And like, you know, he's a, the swagger he has, but there's, I don't understand that, like, why we have to be out on guys after nine starts or eight and a half starts in a team that's clearly rebuilding. Like the Jets aren't cutting bait with Zach Wilson. The Dolphins are likely not cutting bait with Tua. Unless <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. No, oh, that's say, different. That's a yeah, different story, yeah. but that's also that's a lot of ownership and things of that nature. That's the impatience there. Yeah. Um, and you know, Deshaun, obviously, if any Dolph- the Dolphins fans listening, I'm sure you know familiar with me from the Deshaun stuff. But um, that's that's like a different story. The Jets are in year one of a rebuild. They're not ditching their quarterback because he has eight total touchdowns and eleven picks uh, through nine starts. Um, but again, like I, they're just trying to throw these guys out and not, you know. The Josh Rosen thing is much like the issue is we always look at the, you know, the Justin Herbert situation or Baker Mayfield as a rookie or Dak, maybe Russell Wilson. Those like very, you know, finite examples of rookie quarterbacks or even year two guys being like leading them to the playoffs. Matt Ryan, I guess is the other example or big Ben, mm-hmm. but you know, everyone forgets like Justin Herbert, you know, is not the norm or vice versa. Like Josh Rosen, is not the norm that like you don't ditch your quarterback after 16 games. There was a reason that they had the number one pick. It was a can't miss prospect in Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen didn't look good. So they bit you know, they bit ditch him. Like this quarterback class isn't good. Neither of these teams are, you know, drafting another guy. So let these guys develop a little bit. They're also not, they also weren't all in great situations. You know, it's like, we have to, there's always context to things. And again, Zach hasn't been great, but you know, the, the Titans game was incredibly impressive. The, Second half of Carolina, really impressive. The first half of Philadelphia, really good. It's even the first quarter against New England when he got hurt was good. It's just the consistency is not there, and it's all between his ears. It's not necessarily physical in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you just kind of covered the next the next segment because I was just going to ask. I mean, I haven't watched too many. I really haven't watched any Jets games outside of when they played the Dolphins. But from what I was reading, it was like 
it was like they wanted the coaches wanted him to trust his eyes per se. You know, he has the physical abilities, but now it's like cut down on the turnovers and just trust what you see and, and go with it. Is I mean, is that is that essentially uh, what you're saying? Yeah, well, like, the problem is, is early in the year, Zach was doing a lot of hero ball, kind of run around Mahomes, Rogers stuff. And, um, you know, especially week one, it worked. Um, at least the second half, it worked. You know, they didn't, they weren't, they didn't come ready to play in the first half. Um, didn't get really any help. New England game was obviously awful. He throws the four interceptions. Week two, it gets memed everywhere. Tennessee does the hero ball stuff. And he, was, he was having trouble checking the ball down. Um, you know, swing passes. There's clips on Twitter. And, you know, skipping a swing pass out of the backfield a couple times or, um, you know, screen passes and things like that, like just missing guys that are blatantly easy throws he knows how to make. And it's, it's all between the years. And then, you know, the Houston game, they wanted him to manage the game. Philly, kind of same thing. Um, last week, he just – it was just kind of all fell apart. No turnovers, but it was just, you know, 45% completion percentage. Just, I mean, 40 attempts is terrible with the yeah. 4.8 yards per attempt. I mean, it's just – it can't happen. All that to say, like, if he – this was one of those games that, you know, the reason Joe Flacco started for better or worse um, was to make sure that, you know, they took the easy stuff and they didn't try to push the ball down the field unless they, you know, had opportunities to, and they didn't test the corners too much. Um, that's why, you know, it'll be a big test for Zach. If can he keep, you know, between his ears, can he be confident? He's a confident kid. And like, that's part of what made him such a good prospect. Can he get kind of regain that, you know, get started early, hit a big shot or hit a couple of balls in the, in the flat and get rolling you know, you might see a good Zach Wilson. You also could see an opportunity where he throws three interceptions and the Dolphins kind of just toy with him a little bit, different, you know, different blitzes. Um, that's It's all between the ears for him. Nothing's physical. He's got every physical ability. He's athletic. He's got a huge arm. Throws from every angle. Accurate. He's got a good throwing motion. All these different stuff. Mentally, he's it's not mentally of what he's seeing. It's mentally of pulling the trigger and being confident in his own ability. Like, I'm going to complete this. And it's like right now, he just especially on the short to intermediate stuff. It's like he literally does not have any confidence in what he's doing. And you'll notice it quickly, whether it's going to change Sunday or if it's if he skips a screen pass in the first quarter, it's going to be a long day for the Jets offense, especially without uh, their two top weapons. Yeah, yeah. a couple of days ago, cornerback uh, Brian Jones was really maybe overly complimentary. And uh, I'm sure you saw the quote and uh, some of the stuff he said about Zach Wilson. I mean, I, he wasn't wrong. And we say he's a gunslinger, uh, but, you know, I, I think it was maybe a little bit of oh, uh, kind of over complimentary, just kind of being nice to the, you got to win the, you gotta win the press, you got to win the press conference. <laughs> exactly. 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 But it's definitely going to be a, a real test for him. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back on the other side of things, we're going to preview this game. Obviously there's a lot of layers to it. Still COVID uh, impacting the matchup with the Dolphins three top uh, backs out. Um, will that impact things? Uh, does Zach Wilson being in the lineup change things? We're going to break all that down, so stick with us. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? Uh, still here with Will Parkinson. Really enjoyed the first half of our conversation, kind of breaking down uh, the COVID issue with the Dolphins, uh, some Tua and Zach Wilson talk, uh, but really looking at this game this Sunday. I mean, this is a this is a must win game for the Dolphins. Uh, you know, last week I broke down uh, kind of the whole playoff picture and who the Dolphins should root for and against. And you know, it wasn't a perfect weekend uh, with the Dolphins not playing, but um, you know, there's still just one game out of that seventh seed, um, and, and really they're in a they're in I don't want to say a win and in situation, but they're really in a must win situation for the entire season uh, for the rest of the season. If you, if you look at various met, uh, projections and websites, whether that's 538 or uh, the New York Times playoff simulator or whatever it may be, um, you know, the Dolphins have about a 10 to 12 percent chance of making the playoffs right now. Uh, if they win out and which would be, you know, just a complete magical run after going one and seven to start the season. If they, if they went out and they finished 10 and seven uh, by various projections, they would have a 75 to 80% chance to make the playoffs. And obviously they would need a little bit of help uh, from some other AFC teams, but if they lose just one game and, you know, right now the schedule is the, the jets, the saints, the Titans, and then the Patriots to finish up, if they lose any one of those games, um, you know, and even if they would go three and one, the projections of the percentage of them going to the playoffs or making the playoffs, it, uh, drops down to below 10%. So you have to get a game like this. You have to win a game like this. If you drop a game to the Titans or to the Patriots, I mean, that's a little bit understandable, but you got to win this game. Um, and, you know, with COVID kind of messing things up in the backfield, um, it's going to be interesting to see whether any of those guys come back. And if not, um, you know, how that takes shape. I'm kind of of the mindset that, you know, the, the Dolphins could walk out to Hard Rock Stadium with Duke Johnson, their rookie Jared Dokes, and, you know, Dexter Williams, who he just signed to the practice squad. And I don't think that it would change things. I mean, I, would, I expect them to win this game, but I don't think it would change things much in terms of uh, the game plan. You know, this is a offense that, you know, ranks like 31st in yards per attempt or 23rd in, um, in attempts per game. They don't run it a lot. They don't run it particularly well. Um, they kind of rely on the short passing game as an extension of the run game. Uh, what do you think in terms of the Dolphins potentially not having their top three backs? Yeah, so, I mean, from a Dolphins playoff perspective, I, I do think, I think they have a chance if they, even if they lose one of the four, I still think they have a chance just based on where, like, these other teams are also struggling like Buffalo, like all of a sudden is like, there's a chance at the end of the weekend, unlikely because Cam is beyond washed and his cool storyline, but it's, it's ugly in Carolina. Um, I don't see the bills losing this week, but the bills have the Pats again, the bills have the Falcons um, and the Falcons are, you know, a stingy team that could win any week. Um, and you never know, maybe the Jets, you know, pulling out week 18 against the bills and kind of, you know, take them out of the playoffs. I just think that from a Jets perspective, they don't stop the run. Well, no matter who's playing running back, um, you know, they had a, they were playing well defensively uh, overall, especially against the run for the most part Sunday um, against the Saints team that ran the ball a ton. I think their first like 40, 42 plays was like they had like, you know, three or four yards per, you know, per play, which is, is nothing, you know, super special. Um, but the Saints, you know, at the end of the day, they had a you know, 50, 60 yard run or a 44 yard run by Taysom Hill at the end of the game. 
And the Jets went from, you know, it was 43 carries for 150 yards, which is not good. It's like three point something yards per attempt. Again, like that's pretty good defensively for the Jets. They've, you know, the worst run defense in football. Then they give up a big play and then the Saints, you know, 45 carries for over four yards a clip is going to knock it. It's not going to get it done. Um, all that to say, like, I just think the Dolphins from their perspective, they can wear the Jets down of the Jets, you know, play a really attacking four, three scheme where their D line just pins their ears back and gets upfield, which again is, you know, is effective. Um, but it can also get you killed in the run game. If you kind of lose your discipline and the linebackers don't fill and, you know, every week it's, you're not sure what you're going to get. CJ Mosley was fantastic. Uh, Sunday, he was not great against the Dolphins. Um, the last game, he was kind of in that banged up stretch. He actually ended up getting hurt. Quincy Williams had a really good game, but got hurt in that game. They're both will play. Um, again, I just think that the Dolphins should be able to run the ball at least effectively enough situationally that they can open up some stuff with Waddle and, you know, Waddle and, and Gesicki. Cause that's, those are the guys that, you know, kind of killed the Jets last game. Um, along with some, you know, stupid penalties, but I don't think they're going to run the ball, you know, for 200 yards, but I also don't yeah. think that they're going to be struggling to get two, three, you know, two, three yards a clip at minimum and just open up the pass game for Tua. Yeah. The thing that sticks out to me is like, it's not like the Dolphins have to run for a hundred yards. You know, a lot of times you hear a lot of people say, Oh, the benchmark is if they run for a hundred yards, they're going to be in great position. The Dolphins don't have to run for a hundred yards in this game. They just have to average like four, 3.8 yards per carry. You know, um, they, they, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but by my eyes, it seems like the Dolphins run a lot on early downs than, um, than, than most teams do. And, you know, if you can get three, four yards a pop, um, you know, that, that bodes well. And even if you go back to, to the first meeting, um, what really salted the game away was the run game. You know, they brought Duke Johnson in. They they couldn't get six, the Jets, the Jets are the worst third down defense. Like if they can get third manageable, like the Dolphins could convert that every time. That's exactly, exactly. what they did that drive. It was like a, was it, it was like a nine or 10 minute drive. I felt like yeah, just yeah, like, it took forever. <laughs> yeah. It was like the longest, most boring drive I've ever seen on like a million penalties and the Dolphins would just get their downs. And that's the way you win the game. And you manage the game with a quarterback who at that time was trying to still find his feet a little bit. Obviously it could be different, you know, this time around, but you know, Dolphins, you know, I don't know. I think they should be able to run the ball at least situationally effective enough. I and mean, they average three and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. They average that. They should be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they've they've won running pretty poorly up to this point. So again, it's not really about um getting gaudy numbers. Like you said, running for two hundred yards. It's more about situationally kind of setting your up setting yourself up in a position where you have manageable third downs. Um when we kind of flip this uh flip the spots and kind of look at um the Jets offense facing this uh Dolphins defense, obviously um the big change is Zach Wilson starting um for Joe Flacco. And you know, I thought Flacco played pretty well. You know, this might be my my Baltimore bias kicking in. Uh, being from the area, but I thought he played pretty well. I mean, he avoided, you know, the major mistakes outside of um, the strip sack in the red zone, which was pretty costly. Um, I thought that the Jets actually had pretty, pretty good answers for um, the Dolphins aggressiveness. And we, and we saw that in that, that long catch and run by Elijah Moore um, that, you know, made this game pretty close, um, you know, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, um, you know, how much changes with Zach Wilson in there? Obviously you don't have the experience uh, of Joe Flacco, but you have maybe a little more athleticism, maybe a guy with a bigger arm, even though Flacco has a big arm as well. Um, I I'm personally of the mindset that, I mean, I think that this is a game where we're going to see 
the Dolphins blitz, you know, 45% of the time, maybe even more. I know Javon Holland is potential that he might not be in there, uh, but I don't think that changes much. You know, Eric Rowe is more than uh, serviceable. Brandon Jones could be coming back. Um, and, you know, if you have those two guys uh, at safety, I think you're, you're, you're more than fine. And I think that's definitely a game uh, where you try to, you know, make the rookie a comfortable uh, enforcement of some turnovers, which we've seen he's been prone to do. Yeah, no, I think, you know, from a Jets perspective, I think it changes. I think the biggest thing it changes, like, they even they do they kind of open up the playbook all the way with, with Zach, which is kind of confusing as a rookie. Like, you know, Joe Flacco's been in the league for 10, 15 years, and his playbook's shorter. But the Jets do a lot of, like, long dropbacks and a lot of different stuff. You know, the RPO game uh, <clears throat> could be a factor. I think like the Dolphin and Dolphins perspective, it's just, you know, I, I blitz the Jets every single play. They don't pick up stunts well. The offensive lines played better, you know, week over week. And I thought they actually ran the ball really well, effectively with Michael Carter in there in this previous matchup. I think the Jets will try to exploit that again. Um, yeah, they, they had think, a lot of success with Michael Carter. Early a lot of success early, and then they just kind of it fell off. Um, the, key, the key for the Jets is just take, you know, stay away from that, stay away from the turnover battle. Um, you know, stay away from the, the big costly turnover. This, this is the first week Zach Wilson did not throw a pick. Um, and he started, which obviously is, uh, an interesting stat nine games in, but like he'll, they'll do some more stuff. He's looked healthier each week. Um, coming back from the knee injury, he still doesn't look 100%, um, but he's, he's getting there. Um, again, like the offense still takes some shots. I just think they're going to probably have to feature guys like, you know, Braxton Berrios and Jameson Crowder heavily mm-hmm. as guys that beat man well. Unfortunately, um, Denzel Mims has not, uh, has not flashed or played well, um, at all. And that's the guy that they were really hoping. You know, second round pick last year flashed a bit. Jets fans are not happy with him. No, I see, I see the discourse on Twitter. They're not happy with him. It is bad. It is, it's ugly. Um, me and DJ, who, you know, during the camp, we kind of we did a couple of pods talking about he's just, it's something's off. Like he's not, he doesn't get open. When he does get open, he doesn't always make a play. He doesn't mentally, he's not grasping the offense and things of that nature. And, you know, the perfect example is if you went back and watched the Jets, Jets Saints game, which no one should, it was not exciting to watch. Um, you know, they were driving inside two minutes. It's a 10 to three ball game. Zach Wilson's finally starting to put a good, a good drive together. They get a, Denzel Mims gets a pass interference, offensive pass interference call. The next play comes back. The Jets get another game, gets a legal formation. And then the drive gets caused. It goes 10-6 in the halftime. And then, you know, it was kind of over from there. And not that they were ever going to – they weren't going to win that game regardless. But, you know, back-to-back penalties, this, you know, this deep in your career in year two, not knowing the offense, not knowing where to, uh, you know, line up. It, it just – it can't happen. So, again, from a, from a Dolphins perspective, I expect them – you know, their outside corner should have a, you know, the Javon Holland miss is a big one. Um, I yeah. just think Jameson Crowder and Braxton Bears get open a lot. They're, you know, Braxton Bears is like top six or seven in the league in, in separation yards, according to next gen stats. So that's something to watch. But I just, with, with no Elijah Moore nor Corey Davis, I think the Dolphins are just going to light the Jets up. You know, I would, you said 45%. I honestly, like, I could see 55, 60%. Like one of those games where like people are like, this is one of the most blissed I've ever <laughs> seen in the team, just because. Again, the Jets offense line is playing better. Um, but unless the Jets establish their own early, which they may very well be able to do, and the Dolphins will have to kind of change things up, I think they're going to try to attack Zach and make him, you know, make rushed, you know, bad decisions and try to take, you know, take the ball away and put two in um, that offense in, in good, you know, situational, you know, situational spots that they can win the game, you know, 27 to 10 as opposed to 
a high scoring shootout, which I'm sure the Dolphins don't want. And I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think Brian Flores is expecting that either. Yeah. I'm not expecting that. Um, you know, it's touching on the one last thing on the defense. It's been, uh, it's been interesting to, to, to talk about like what's changed with the Dolphins defense. And, you know, it's, we've had a bunch of explanations like Raekwon Davis is back. So they're better against the run. Byron and Xavier Howard are healthier. And it's like, uh, it was funny to to talk to Emmanuel Agba, the defensive end, uh, on Monday, and um, he was asked, you know, what's something notable that Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, has done? And he was like, truthfully, we're just going back to our old stuff, and the old stuff is like just blitzing guys. I mean, just just putting pressure. And uh, I still, for the life of me, don't know why they weren't doing that earlier in the year, um, but it's working now, and they're just having so much success with that. And I keep on hammering this home. The Dolphins are 6-0 and when they hold opponents to 17 points or fewer this season. Um, you know, two has played well. The offensive line is getting a bit better. Jalen Waddle's been great, but this is really still a team that is being driven home by uh, the defense. And if they're going to pull off this magical run and win their next four games, it's going to be on the strength of the defense. Uh, and that brings me to the predictions point of this uh, episode. Um, last, or I guess the last meeting, uh, the Dolphins came away with the 24 to 17 victory, I believe. Um, game was a little closer than maybe some people thought it would have been, you know, late in that game. But obviously, like we said, the, the Dolphins kind of salted it away with a, with a long, with a long scoring drive. Um, I still think that it, it's going to be a fairly close game. I mean, Dolphins just for the most part haven't really like put like blown the doors off teams outside of uh, outside of Carolina and kind of Baltimore. Um, I, I'd probably say this is like a 23-17 game and maybe one of those 23-17 games where uh, the Dolphins are, are, are leading by two scores for a, a portion of the game and then the Jets score a late touchdown. What are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking as of today, if, if the kind of, you know, things stay the same. Oh, yeah, knock on wood with yeah, COVID. Yeah, knock on wood if yeah. things go stay the same, which I think obviously that would matter. Um, but I'm going to go – we go 26 14 Dolphins win, and it's like a 20 to 14 game late in the game. The Dolphins kind of salt down the clock. Um, you know, the Jets can't get off the field on third down. It's one of those games that's like not overly exciting, but um, you know, have some flares. I think Tua plays well. There was one bad pick, but the rest of the time plays well. Zach Wilson, you know, was okay, but has one or two killer turnovers. And, uh, we're looking at the Dolphins at seven and seven, and the Jets uh, getting closer to a top three pick. Yeah, just it's really remarkable. <laughs> the Dolphins are <laughs> one and seven, and now they're six and seven with the opportunity to be five hundred heading into a what would be a huge Monday Night Football game against the Saints. Um, I think the I think the Dolphins match up pretty well with the Saints personally. Oh, I think they're. I, I mean, before the season, I thought they were going to beat the Saints. I think that they beat the Saints now, especially if they if the Saints just want to run like a and you know, I'm, I like, I'm getting ahead of myself, getting starting the yeah, season next week's episode. It's, it's Kamara, but, uh, Kamara is the one key. Like when he doesn't play, they're just not very effective. And you know, Taysom Hill, I whatever. We don't have to get a whole Taysom Hill rant on this. Yeah, I was. I, I was. Right I, now, I, was I, know we, I know we feel the same about you know Taysom, but yeah, I, I was going to bring up was it Chris Sims' comments about Tua and Taysom? Yeah, said, but I was like, I'm not even going to better quarterback. Yeah, I'm not even going to entertain that. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not it's like called, a. It's called dying on a hill. It's not a hill I want to die on. But no, 
that's that's see man you got me getting ready to seep into next week's episode we're gonna have a lot of fun with that but uh, <laughs> but, uh um now nah, again this is a this is a must-have game for the dolphins uh six and seven opportunity to get back to to 500 um keep themselves in contention for you know one of those wild card spots potentially um and you know we'll, we'll see what happens you know again knock on wood with covid hopefully uh um nobody else is added maybe some guys come back um, but again, I think this is a game that the Dolphins should probably uh, take care of pretty easily. Yeah, if the Dolphins don't win this, they're not a playoff team. Um, it's kind of as simple as that. I think we kind of talked about this on the on the space a couple of weeks ago when the Dolphins were trying to make a kind of run to where they are now. That you know, if you're if you're for real, uh, you will. You got to win. You got to win these games. Um, yeah, they're you know they lose today and they lose Sunday. You know it's. It says a lot more about the Dolphins, I think, than it does the Jets. Um, and you know, so we'll see. Obviously, but if they want, if they're a legitimate playoff team, you got to beat. They've done a good job so far. The Giants game, the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, they won the hard game against the Ravens. Well, that doesn't look that hard anymore. And then you know, they took care of business against the Jets, Dolphins. I mean, the Jets, Panthers, Giants. There's another game in there. I'm forgetting. I think the Texans. But, yeah, yeah the Texans. Right. So, yeah, right. So you took care of those games. Now take care of business. Take one more time and put yourself in a position that if you win Monday night, you're, you know, above 500 and chance to make the playoffs. No, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in depth podcast. Uh, I want to thank Will so much for joining me. Really enjoyed breaking down uh, Dolphins jets. And again, a game that the Dolphins must have um, to the listeners. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the game. And we'll be back next week to recap another uh, weekend of Dolphins football. Until then you guys take care. Bye.